Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What song is mine? We're not going to be fucking sunk this year with a Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vizana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Hello, Noel. Hey, how you doing? Good. Let me get through this real quick so we can stay on Empire Media. Okay. You can listen to the show on the Podcast DC app, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news and health, all covering the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows, as well as other great content. And just rate, review, and subscribe. I'm not going to say it again. Just fucking do it. And that's it. <laughs> uh, so, how are... Oh, actually, I wanted to mention one thing real quick before we discuss. I'm sure you noticed we didn't have Wednesday's show. Fortunately, it will never see the light of day because Scott Brooks was fired. And we were talking about Scott Brooks not being fired on the last one, pretty much. Potentially or (laughs) and all that other crap and all these hypotheticals. And then, boom, canned. So, (laughs) which, hey, I'm not complaining. No, no, not at all. I'm not complaining. I was about to hit send and upload it into the world, you know, and then here we go. So thanks, Tommy Shepard, for timing it exactly when I was going to put the show out. But he kind of saved us anyway, because it would have sucked and wouldn't have made any sense. So sorry, guys. Hey, like I said, at least it wasn't bad news that came out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, that he got hired. If he was hired back, it would have made sense. But since he was fired, a bit of a surprise to all of us. Um, So we have something to celebrate. Because Scott Brooks is finally gone. After five years of mediocrity, the motherfucker has been kicked to the curb by his good buddy, Tommy Shepard, of all people. His friend, his drinking buddy, his lad. His confidant. Yeah, but nothing's going to change between them. That's their fucking problem. Yeah, hey, I don't give a damn if they're, (laughs) you know, swingers when they leave. (laughs) I really don't give a shit what their relationship is outside of work. I'm glad they were able to keep the relationship yeah. intact, but we never have to see that asshole ever again because, in my opinion, he's the worst coach in the NBA, and um, I just couldn't stomach another year. And the way that Tommy Shepard was explaining it, Noel, 
I really think that he was kind of pressured by the fan base. I think that they know there was going to be a, a, an uprising if they kept that asshole around. Or he used that as a ploy with Scott because he's the type of guy that likes to keep that relationship. I think Shepard is the type when it comes to players and coaches, he likes to be liked. He's mm-hmm. like death of a salesman. He likes to be well-liked. And I think at some point in time, he said, Scotty, man, I want you here. Yeah, I want you here, okay? <laughs> Ted upstairs, he wants you here, man. But I can't fight City Hall on this one. We owe it to our fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're breaking down the door over here. It's <laughs> it's like pitchforks and torches. I love you. I love you like a brother. But um, we're just going to have to go in a different direction. You, you, you know how it is. He didn't answer a straight question once. And he looked like his dog died. I don't know if it's genuine or not with him, honestly. Did, did he do that because he knew Scott Brooks would be watching and he really wanted to show that he was really heartbroken over this? I really don't give a shit. After the wall situation, I think Tom Shepard's a bullshitter. If he does a good job, I don't care. Like I said, I can compartmentalize, but I think he's a bullshitter at this point. And I'm pretty good at poker, but I couldn't read that one at all. Yeah, hey. That's what GMs do. That's what salespeople do. That means as good as it's craft. Hopefully he can bring in personnel and bring in a decent coach that makes his team better. Beyond that, I don't give a damn if he was lying, telling the truth, if he uh, if he's giving Brooks a wink in the camera or some subliminal message. I don't give a shit. Bye, Brooks. Do your job, Shepard. End of story. Nice knowing you. How are things otherwise, though? Well, hey, you're just the good news guy. You've got I know. Brooks... How how's the week been without the fam? Oh, it's been uh it's been a week, you know. I've been watching a lot of TV after work. Good. Yeah. I don't have to like those neutral shows. Yeah, no neutral shows. That's that's not happening. Last night, Noel, I ate dinner at eleven o'clock, got home, watched the Italy Switzerland game. Oh man. It's kinda of dozing a little bit, but I, I stayed up. But then I realized holy shit, it's eleven o'clock and I haven't eaten yet. So <laughs> then I made some bagels. Bagels for dinner. <laughs> I had a PB and J tonight. Yeah, I actually ate. And uh, Kristen didn't do what mom does and like make frozen uh, meals like she no. did for Pop when she'd go out of town. This is Mondays. This is Lentiki. <laughs> then on, on, we've got meatballs on Thursdays. Yeah, Pasto yeah. Forno on Friday. None of that. None of and that. You're at PB&J and bagels. Pop did something right. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, he had Beast. things under control. Yeah, he had things on point, man. <laughs> Set expectations <laughs> ahead of time. But man, that Italy... Uh, Switzerland, I'll tell you, I've been watching Italian soccer since I was a baby, and this is one of the most entertaining Italian soccer teams I have ever watched. None of this catenaccio shit where they sit back on defense and get pounded. They're they're pressing. They are pressing. They've got an entertaining style about them. I know probably 99.9% of the people listening to this don't give a shit, but fuck you. They don't. (laughs) Um, They don't care about the Wizards either, but but we're talking about them too. But it is a joy to watch and kicking the hell out of these teams, back-to-back games. Three-nothing victories. I mean, yeah, that, that shit doesn't happen, especially in Italian soccer. So Right, and they're looking like the best team in the tournament right now, whether that'll happen when it starts to get to knockout, but they've already clinched. They play Wales. All they have to do is tie to get the group, and we're coasting, man. The game on Sunday against Wales, watch it. You'll enjoy Italy probably for the one of the few times because definitely Americans didn't like the way Italians played prior to this tournament. Yeah, every game was like pulling Grind teeth. out. Because they only had so many opportunities. They yeah. would pack it in and then, okay, well, counter, counter, 
We got maybe three opportunities the whole fucking game. Right. Better get right. one of them in. Right. And a lot of times they did. They I know. Did, they took they advantage. They won some games in the past. They got four rings from the World Cup. But, uh, you know, this is a different style that is just a pleasure to watch. And, and they're um, still so good defensively, too. Absolutely. It, it, it haven't they haven't really lost They still got the tradition that. there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. They haven't given up a goal in, in nine straight international games. Yeah, and like a thousand minutes. Yeah. Yeah, right. It was like 980. 985 minutes or something. They haven't given up a goal. They haven't lost a game in 29 straight games. I mean, they've won and tied. Um, And they're going for 30. It's the longest streak since the 1930s when they won the back-to-back World Cups will be the longest streak undefeated since the 30s. That's fucking impressive, man. We're watching the Bulls over here. Seriously, with some of the teams that Italy has had and give it, they're not the most entertaining team all the time. But some of the personnel and teams that they've had, with this team, they're just a bunch of guys that are fast, do their job, all that, and they have really put it together, and it's so much fun. Agreed. Sorry to bore everyone, but watch it. Eh, hell with it. Yeah. Just broaden your horizons a little bit, everybody. Yeah. It's okay. What else it's is there right. to watch? You want to watch baseball? It's all right. Yeah. Nats suck. So anyway. I mean, if you can sit through a five-hour NASCAR race going to de- around a circle, you can watch a 90-minute soccer game. Okay. Pass to the midfielder. Back to the midfielder. <laughs> Holds it. Holds it. Simpsons. Check that one out. All right. Um, we're going to have Matt Moderno on again for the celebration of Scott Brooks being fired. He's been in total agreement this whole time with us, and he wanted to be on the show. He begged us to be on the show. Yeah, I didn't ask him or anything. Please let me He's on. Bar- he barged in. He was knocking on Matthew's door. We yeah. said, all right, all come right, we'll, on. We'll let you in. Come it's, on, a celebra- it's a celebration. Come on in. No, just kidding. I asked him, but he was more than happy enough to give us his time. And uh, coming up next, we're going to have... Matt on, Bullets Forever contributor, Believe in Wizards podcast host with Larry Hughes. And then after that, we're going to have another installment of a Top 5 Friday. So stick around for that. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the Beltway Sports Bros, but once you're done, I wanted to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Sick of competing against thousands of professional bettors with algorithms? What about spending all day analyzing salary caps and lineups using other daily fantasy sites? Then you should try Monkey Knife Fight. Amazing name, by the way. I've used most, if not all, the other sites, and trust me, I just stop because I don't have time to put all that work in. MKF is easy to play. MKF offers all of the major sports, plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR. You can pretty much bet on anything your little heart desires. MKF offers fun contests that are super easy to play. For example, there's a game called More or Less. Simply pick more or less on different player props. Think Patrick Mahomes. Will he go over his 288 and a half yard number? Select more. Think Lamar Jackson. Will he stay under his 212 and a half yard number? Select less. Get both right and win. Simple, right? We're getting old. The less we have to think about, the better. I've been using this site personally for the last few months, and it's so user-friendly. And honestly, it's made me actually care about what happened in, for example, the Rockets Magic game the other night. Quite possibly the least interesting game in the NBA this year. So go to monkeyknifefight.com and use our promo code BELTWAY and you get a 
free $5 game just for signing up. No strings attached, I promise. You also get a first-time depositor bonus, which they cover 100%. Deposit $10, you get $10 free. Deposit $100, you get $100 free. This offer is not going to last long, so tap the link in the episode description and sign up. Again, using our promo code BELTWAY. So easy, even a drunk monkey could do it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Okay, let's bring in the third bro, Bolts Forever contributor and host of the Believe in Wizards podcast. Mr. Matt Moderno, how are you doing today, sir? Guys, this is the happiest conversation we're ever going to have. <laughs> I have a good feeling about this. Yes, indeed. And and you can follow Matt at Matt Moderno and at Believe in Wizards on Twitter. So please do that. He's quite the follow. And Appreciate it. Whatever your uh, Facebook thing is, uh, Wizards Nation. Yeah, but don't do that. That's bad for everybody. <laughs> That's a really low basketball IQ group. All they do is talk about their hatred of Westbrook or how they love Westbrook. That's really the only... It's a, yeah, it's a groupie fan page slash hater page. <laughs> well, don't go to that. Well, like as you mentioned, I think this is kind of a celebration. This is a celebratory podcast of Scott Brooks is firing finally. I don't think any of us saw it coming, but at the same time, I, I was kind of looking back thinking of what Tommy Shepard said and uh, how Bradley Beal reacted to Scott Brooks after the loss at game five. And it kind of makes sense in a way, because it's like putting the pieces together. Tommy Shepard was very noncommittal to Brooks afterwards. And I I think it just came down to Beal not wanting him around anymore. What do you think? This is tough because you had some stuff that sort of leaked (laughs) out and Beal's comments were like mostly positive, but not like a ringing endorsement. Whereas like Westbrook's were, you know, singing his praises. So you never really know. I think Beal likes having like a scapegoat personally, you know, it's something to, to pin to other than him when things go wrong. So if Brooks sticks around, he's kind of covered, he's Teflon for another year, everybody will blame Brooks. And if they get a good coach in here, then suddenly it's a little more on the players uh, and, and they get a little more of that criticism. So I think he probably could have gone either way is, is my take. But I felt like he was talking in past tense, like Brooks was already gone. You know, Which was also awkward because yeah. Brooks was like, well, when I'm here this summer, we're going to do all these workouts <laughs> and like I'm going to have the guys in the gym 24-7. And you're like, eh, are you? Coming in, kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, are we'll you? at 3 a.m. doing workouts. <laughs> but it's just a fantastic day. It really is. And uh, we listened to your podcast and you, know, you were much quicker on it. Short and sweet, but got to the point. Cleared my whole day for that thing, man. <laughs> I took the whole rest of the day off work. I broke some beers out. like It was good. I did the Stone Cold Steve Austin double <laughs> shotgun when yeah. I heard the news. I'm excited. I've been an advocate for getting rid of Brooks, but I'm looking at it now and I'm looking at the names that are out there. And is Beal going to be back next year? There's so many freaking questions. With the coaches that are out there right now, who excites you? Cassell or freaking... I'm a Becky Hammonds uh, kind of guy myself. Th- yeah, there we go. Let's do that. Yeah, I mean, Rick Carlisle just got fired. Yep. I like Rick. He's an instant floor raiser. You know, Budenholzer's taken a lot of shit uh, for the way Milwaukee's played, but everywhere he's gone, they go from a shit defensive team to at least one of the top 10 teams in the league most years. I mean, granted, some of that's personnel, but 
there are guys you could get that would be instant upgrades. Now, are they the guy, like, in my opinion, there's like six guys in the NBA that like take your team to the next level. And that's supposedly what Shepard is looking for, which is why I expected Brooks to be back. I don't know if any of those guys are available, but you know, like a Carlisle is a championship coach that took a team of mostly non-stars, you know, it was Dirk and the role players and won a ring. You could do a lot worse than that. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if he wants to do it. That's, that's the thing. That's, I mean, sure. he, he left for a reason. I think he yeah. has had some like medical Luka. issues in the past and yeah. family. He likes to be around his family. And sometimes he might he's the type that might take a year off and then reassess. And for me, I'm looking at the list of openings. I'm putting Wizards down near the bottom, man. I mean, I really am with the personnel and with dealing with Beal and dealing with the Westbrook-Beal dynamic. What the fuck do I want to deal with it for? Now I can go to Dallas? The Porzingis thing, whatever that is, maybe they can bring it back together with a new coach, whatever happens. But there are some options out there. I mean, the Pacers are good. You have Boston. Come on, man. I think that if I'm a coach... To me, it's looking like it's going to be Wes Unsell Jr. I think that's the one that, that they're going to get. And the only thing that might prevent that from happening is Beal. Yeah, I mean, Wes is extremely well-liked well you know, within sort of the basketball community. He's, he's got a reputation as a defensive-minded coach and a guy that's good for you know, player development, which if you're Rui and Denny, that, you know, that should excite you, or even Gafford. Well, so and, is Scott and, Brooks, right? That's what we heard, <laughs> and he was an offensive guru too, so – uh, actually, w- while we're on that, I'm I'm not usually like the read off stats on the podcast kind of guy, but just let me run through these real quick. Please, these are these are passes per game. Oh God! In the Scott Brooks era, in 2016 they finished 29th. In 2017 they finished 20th. 2018 they finished 18th. 2019 they finished third. So that was the year without Wall mm. or Westbrook when, when it was just Ish Smith pushing the ball. When he was actually coaching the team. And then yeah. this year they finished 27th. And then total movement, which is distance covered per game on offense. They were 28th, 22nd, 27th, 4th last year, and 22nd again this year. So anyone that says that they ran a free-flowing, fast-paced best offense, like tempo you're, you're full in of the shit. league, bullshit. Yeah. Well, they had the best yeah. tempo. That doesn't mean yeah. that they were moving the yeah. ball. Exactly. It was one guy pounding the shit out of it and running real fast. Right. Get bombed on and then run it down the court. Yeah, that'll that'll keep your tempo going. Why couldn't he translate that, you think, to, I guess, when Beal was out too, right? Was that that year? They were moving the ball. They were doing all that. Like, why couldn't he translate that to when he actually had his stars on the court? Why do you think that is? Because he's a pussy. Yes. Well, that's true. Role players know they have to give the ball up. Please tell a guy that makes $44 million a year that he has to give the ball up, and it's just not going to happen. Beal is making personnel decisions. You think he's going to listen to Brooks on passing the ball a couple of extra times? That's what I'm saying. He's the the reason why Brooks isn't there anymore. Well, You think he's really worried about Brooks' rotation of the ball and make sure four guys touch it? Come on. That's fine. I'm saying, with that being said, who can you bring in to, assuming Beal's here, of course, who the hell are you going to bring in to pound this into this, these guys' heads that they need to move the ball. I mean, if, if Scott Brooks couldn't do it, obviously Noel stated he's a pussy, which I totally agree. But you got to find somebody that can come in here and just be like, look, assholes, I don't give a shit who you are. You're going to do it the way that I want to do it or else get the fuck out. Should he say it that way? I think so. I think it would be good. <laughs> you know, because Beal is... Sorry, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> My Alexa. Uh, <laughs> the fuck? Okay. Please leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
<laughs> what the fuck was I saying? I don't even remember anymore. No, but who's going to be able to get to Beal? And he's got this team by the balls on the personnel side and on the court. Do you think it's just time to just say goodbye to this guy? Because he's obviously garnered far too much power. Is there any future with him? Supposedly, Tommy Shepard made this decision solely mm-hmm. with he took input from everyone and chose to make his totally, you know, sole decision on that one. Which yeah, can, and dinosaurs aren't real too. Exactly right, and the Earth is uh, is or isn't flat. I can't remember which anymore. Uh, I mean, so you got two choices: you you get a Carlisle or somebody that has won a ring and can go to these guys and say, "Look, I've done something you haven't. If you want to do this, you need to do this." Or you go and you get a former player, a Steve Nash kind of guy, you know, somebody like that, that these guys will say, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about and has enough credibility that that they buy into it. That's my personal opinion. And just talking about, you know, the the offensive issues that they had this year, I think if you look at it from a, you know, completeness perspective, the unsell thing is appealing because if he is the best defensive option out there, Wizards finished 20th, 15th, 27th. 29th and 20th in defense under Brooks. So they're bad on both sides of the ball. So I think anyone you get is an upgrade. Now, you're not going to take this team and make them a championship team. And Ted is never going to trade either of them. So we can talk all we want about what they should do, but he wants to make just enough playoff runs to keep making money and fill the sports book. And that's the goal. So he's going to get some coach that's a slight upgrade enough to get them in the six or seven seed. Mm. And that's what they're going to roll with. With Wes unselled, that sounds great. Hopefully he's not like his dad when it comes to coaching. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. But um, Beal and Westbrook seem like they need to have a guy that has a little bit of street cred. Sure. And who is there? Mark Jackson, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups. But I'm with you, Matt. I'm totally with you. Thanks. But the way the... <laughs> Basketball is set up now. Good, Matt. Not bad. Oh, I see. Got it. The way basketball is set up now is you need a guy that's on your level to respect. Unless you're a guy that's won six championships like a Phil Jackson or a Popovich or something like that. Some old grizzled white guy that has won some rings with the best of the best. Beyond that, at this point in time, it's a player driven league. And they want guys that have been there, done that and that are from the same street as them. It's just how it is. I personally think it's going to be Sam Cassell if we're making any kind of predictions here because Beal played for Sam Cassell under Randy Whitman. They had a great relationship. He had, you know, he was kind of in the early stages there, but he's never gotten a chance. He looks like an alien, which is a plus, of course. And um, from the movie The Arrival, yes. Everybody check it out. <laughs> Identical. Identical. Charlie Sheen. I mean, that check was that a great movie. movie. Out. That was good. It's very underrated. If nobody has seen The Arrival, go check it out. And you can't tell me that those fucking aliens don't look like Sam Cassell. But with that, this is not where I thought this was going to end up. With that being said, picture your coach running down the court, cupping his nuts after your team wins a game, though. Like that's what we need. Yeah, yeah. But I think with Sam Cassell, he's he was a player, a very good player. He's relatable has familiarity with Beal. He's, um, by all accounts, good defensive mind, right? And he's got he's got some street cred with those guys. I think that would make the most sense. I wouldn't be overly ecstatic about it, but I think that's what's going to happen. The other name we talked about was Darvin Ham, who's been a Bucks assistant. He's been around. He's got a good coaching pedigree. And he's like a guy as a player that like no one fucked with. He was like a big, tough dude. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Larry, is that was his reputation. Is that accurate? He was like, yeah. 
that's accurate. So like, you know, maybe that's a guy that they're scared of enough physically uh, to not. But do you think Beal's gotten so like he's so far gone at this point that he's not scared of anyone because like of the power that they've given him? You're not changing either of those guys. Yeah, you're not changing either of them. They're never going to guard anybody. Who do you think Beal wants for his game? Because at the at his press conference, what did he say? Not win it. Of course, he wants to win. They all want to win. But he wants to win an MVP, and with that, obviously has to come some wins. For him to do both, because at this point, I consider him a complete diva, who's the best for his game? Diva knows a diva when they see him, that's for sure. Uh, you're damn right. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, who does he think is best for his game or who might actually be? I think whoever's best for him is somebody that's going to hold him accountable and say, if you if you want to win games, it's not by leading the league in scoring. It's also creating for other people. It's putting them in better spots. It's being hyper-efficient, which he was for a large portion of the year. I'm not ragging on his offense, but... Well, he's an efficient scorer, but he doesn't make the players around him better. You've got to do more than that if you want to win games. One of the two of you, you can't be an apathetic defender. Like, he didn't used... I mean, he was never a good defender, but he was, like, a bad defender who tried. (laughs) And now he's, like, a guy that doesn't even try. So, like... I'll tell you, that playoff series that he had against Boston... He was busting his ass defensively. Sure. Like you said, he's not the best defender in the world, but damn, he was getting his nose in there. When the Raptors, remember when they were disrespecting yeah. him and all that? Oh, and, yeah, and he was, absolutely. He was by far the best player on the court there on both sides yeah. of the ball. And did you see that at all this year? Fuck no. I didn't. No. Hell no. Because, you know, he's believing his hype. He feels like he doesn't need to do it. He's He's putting up 33 points a game, whatever it is. Let somebody else take care of it. And that's the problem. Yeah, I think he's forgotten himself in a way. And the Wizards, the organization, has empowered him. Therefore, they're creating a monster. He's not LeBron James. He's not a guy like that that has done it already, you know, and has enough street cred to make those decisions. This guy, what the fuck has he done? Gotten to the second round of the playoffs? Great. Good job. But he can't put a team on his back. And he shouldn't have the ability to do whatever he wants and make these decisions. Who the fuck died and made you GM? That's how it works, man. Yeah. You got all the leverage, unfortunately. And at the end of the day, like, there's some stuff you can nitpick with Beal. He's, like, not the problem, though. You know, like, I, I mean, it just he, between he and Westbrook, they both have to be a little bit better defensively. They both have to value the ball more. And they have to get other people involved. And I don't know how you get them to do that. But at the end of the day, like if all of your other guys just get a little bit better and you have a reasonable roster and you don't play them both with two other point guards (laughs) and you don't put Troy Brown at power forward and do all this other dumb shit, you'll have a better team. And I think that's the best you can hope. I think it's an okay roster. I think it's pretty good. It's not great, but I think Shepard's made some good moves. They need organization. This team is so maddening to watch because of it's so disorganized. If you're a coach, though, Matt, either Matt, if you're a coach, obviously you're going to take whatever job is out there if there's none left. But when you have seven openings at this point and you're looking at the tape and you see a ball-dominant Westbrook, a ball-dominant Beal that gets nobody else involved and everybody else is standing around with your thumb up your ass except the third option, which is Lopez... He loves Lopez. Where are you going at this point? Are you saying, okay, I see something here where they're not getting Bertans involved. Denny's coming back. Rui sure as hell needs to be a bigger option. But when you look at the tape and you look at these two personalities, these two alphas in the room, are you going to be able to break them of that habit? And as a coach, especially a retread, you know what you're getting when you go to a team and you know these guys. And you can see the tape to say, I can't break Beal from gunning or Westbrook from freaking grabbing 15 rebounds when guys are bombing threes at three-point range, 
You can't teach an old dog new tricks, and this is a bottomless pit for me. And that's how I look at it. Now, there's other teams out there that have more team play. They have a couple of stars, but not superstars, except for obviously Luka, that you can mold them. I don't think at this point in time you can mold Beal and Westbrook. I just don't. I think that ship has sailed. That's why I think they got to trade him. They got to trade Beal, get what you can for him. And I don't believe that's starting over. I think that they'll get some good pieces, but I think it's a road to nowhere with Beal because you're not going to win a championship with him. I agree he's not the problem, but quite an asset to have. And teams want him as one of their top three players. And, and as you said, I mean, Leones is, is, is going to be thrilled with the, you know a bottom six spot and get a couple playoff games. And if he's profitable, then great. I guess it's... Kind of There's no scenario about. where they win a championship this decade. Yeah. <laughs> because even if you started now, you'd still totally have to clear the books. It would take you too long to develop internally if you did a full rebuild. Like, there's just no way. You'd need multiple stars to want to come here. If only so many teams can win a championship, are we okay with shooting for a four or a five seed and saying that's good enough for us and maybe we'll get lucky and some stuff will break right or somebody will develop or Ruby turns into a star or whatever the case may be. But is that enough? Do we sell tickets? Do we keep people off our ass? Does it keep Shepard employed? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is probably yes. And I, I think that's honestly where they've set the bar. Like there are championship or bus teams and there are the Portlands. We've got this pretty good backcourt, but there's a ceiling on it. But that's okay because people are happy with it because they want to be here and and that's yeah, there enough. can only be one champion anyway mentality, you know, and um, I think that Brooks legacy when it comes to this basketball team is he created a monster with Beal and there are a lot worse things. Yeah, he's a shitty coach, a, a shitty X's and O's guy. The worst. Um, he created a monster with Wall to a certain extent and he created a monster with Beal and those two could not coexist because like I've said before, he didn't have the control of this team. And now we're dealing with the repercussions of his actions with Beal that were hamstrung with him. And now we've got Westbrook in-house to boot. And like you said, Matt, I I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I hope that the coach that they bring in sparks them and gets them competitive and fun to watch. Yeah, and I don't want to turn throw my remote at the TV. But beyond that, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, that, that's best case scenario. You, you hope for a fun team that, that makes a deep playoff run or, or surprises a few people and, and we can all high five and start over again next year. Last thing, what do you think is going to happen as far as this offseason? Do you, do you think they're going to take a big swing? I know Tommy Shepard said they're not afraid to take swings. I'm not sure what that means, but do you think they're going to go for a, a third star like a DeRozan type? Do you think that they're going to stay status quo? What do you expect? I hope it's not any of the names that have been circulated out there thus far. Uh, it will be. Really, Don't you worry. It doesn't interest me personally. I think your best path to getting better is internal development. You know, Rui gets better. Denny becomes a reasonable player. Maybe you turn the 15th pick into a reasonable starting small forward. Bryant stays healthy. Gafford somehow gets himself in shape enough to play 18 <laughs> minutes a game. Furtons doesn't look like a, a mannequin with a slingshot, you know, and, and noodle arms. <laughs> That's your only hope of, of next year being any better, in my opinion. So I think it'll be more of the same. Shepard maybe makes a few creative moves around the fringes. Like Gafford was a great pickup, in my opinion. Yeah. He made sure to flex about getting Robin Lopez and Neto at the trade deadline. So oh, maybe more of those. Yeah, let's keep getting those guys. We always end on a positive on this show when you're on, man. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on as usual. Doors always open. Let's go celebrate, boys. <laughs> let's do it. 
I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W Podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Empire. All right, so thanks again to Matt Moderno for coming on. Always a pleasure. I'm sure he'll be on again one day. I'm sure. He's, he's, uh, he's a mainstay. We've said it before. He's third bro. He's a blast to have on, and uh, it's a nice threesome to have every once in a while. And if you haven't checked out his show, please do, because I don't think I've ever said that before. It's a really good show, very informative, and... Larry Hughes has some very interesting things to say about the team. So if you're a Wizards fan, you always know they'll be talking about the Wizards on that show. So please do that. All right. But moving on, it's time for a Top 5 Friday. Ding, ding, ding. So in honor of the great Scott Brooks being relieved of his duties, we're going to talk about the all-time worst DC coaches in history. It's a reflection. It's a reflection. and It really brings it back home after the Brooks things. Like, where does he stand in all this? He's on my in, list. In DC area lore, in Beltway lore yeah. of shit teams and shit coaches. Well, we've had plenty of them. and um, Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was really tough, was tough. To, to narrow it down. But There's some real bad ones, too. Yeah. We didn't want to make this all a Washington football team list, so we kind of... Oh, there's... They're well representative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of shit diversity in D.C. when it comes to sports, that's for sure. That's right. You want to get started? Yeah, let's do this thing. All right, so what is your number five, Noel? Close to home. Another guy that was a player's coach that got along and yet have a beer with... And was garbage. And players took advantage of him. And he was half-assed. Jay fucking Gruden. Poor man's Gruden. Everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows the backstory. The Griffins. The Cousins. The everything. The guy was just mediocre. You're an offensive coordinator, Jay. That's <laughs> what he was. 39, yeah. 49, and 1. As a head coach, yeah, which about as mediocre as you can get, that's about as average as you can get. Never played well against good teams. Never rose his team to the occasion. Always came out yeah. unprepared. Everybody knows the the story of him, and um, he was just a bumbling idiot. He was like the in twins. He was the Danny DeVito of the two <laughs> brothers. So that's uh, you the, know that's my number. I five. didn't hate Jay Gruden. I really didn't. nobody did. Nobody hated him as uh, a he person. He was a very likable guy. He was. <laughs> He was. And honestly, I'm sure that Scott Brooks isn't a bad guy either. But oh, he seems we're like a talking, very like we're guy. talking about coaches and how they perform on the football, basketball, diamond, whatever you want to call it, how these guys performed and brought their teams to the promised land. And Jay Gruden never did that. Keep in mind, Noel, he had back to back non losing seasons, which didn't happen in twenty years. Even Joe Gibbs couldn't say that. 
No, second uh, Joe Gibbs. Second Joe Gibbs. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. But yeah, absolutely. His teams never won the games that they should have won. But then strangely, they won the games that they weren't supposed to win sometimes. Like that Seahawks game when they had no offensive line. They won that game. Yeah. Just weird shit. And I think those are some of his best coaching moments. But like when he had his team fully intact, which in all honesty, wasn't a lot of times because he had a ton of injuries as saved well. Saved his job too. Always saved his job. Yeah. He would show that he could coach when he had no name players on the team. But then when he had his, his I guess, stars or whatever Guys you want to call that them. that were, you know, had clout or whatever. Yeah, he, and that that's the sign of a geek. That's the sign of a pussy oh, he's coach. not a geek. No, I'm talking he's, about... He's cool as shit. No, I'm talking about as far as like wanting to get along. Yeah. That's what I mean. He was I way mean. too easy. He was way, way too, too easy. easy. And when you had the big time guys, he's like, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had like secret handshakes with guys like Wall and Beal had. Like, that's how cool he wanted to be with these guys. And to his own expense of his record, there's a bunch of players that say they were way too lax. If a player and not, we're not even talking about like the London Fletchers of the world or Ryan Kerrigan's. We're talking about when your average everyday guys that you didn't even know had work ethic are bitching that it's lax. You got mm-hmm. problems. Yeah. Well, speaking of players, coaches, we've talked about this guy at nauseum, but he had to be on my list. Honestly, if it didn't just happen, he would be hired. But <laughs> Scott Brooks, I'm not going to go into too much about Body this ain't guy. ain't even cold yet, Matt. <laughs> I just hate his guts. I just hate him. He had a record of 183 and 207 over his five years. First year, you know, it was good. 49 and 33. Still can't hit that 50 win mark. No one can for the Wizards for whatever reason. Yep. But a loss in the conference semis. Next year, a loss in the first round. Missed the playoffs back-to-back years. And then again, lost in the first round. He is not a mediocre coach. He did the worst job with actually pretty good players. Yeah. A roster this team that, had some pieces, man. We're they not, still do. No, no. I'm saying, but when... He was successful. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, good job. You, you did what you were supposed to do when you had the freaking personnel across the board. And you never had a bad team here. Uh, other than when Wall and, and Beal were both hurt right. and all that we talked about with Moderno. But but I think that was his best coaching job, just like Jay Gruden. They're very similar in that way. Oh, shit. I don't have talent now. Now I might actually have to coach. And I guess that's frustrating because... He kind of proved that he could coach when those guys were out. What did they win? Like, I don't know, 17 of 20 games yeah. or something during that period? I mean, they were the hottest team in the NBA when they didn't have their top players. Yeah. So you're making a selling point that he was actually good? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm not selling that. I'm saying that maybe he could have been good if he wasn't a bitch. No, anyway. yeah. And we talked about that same thing with Jay. Their best performances when there was no pressure on them from the alphas in the room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he's a beta. They're Mm -hmm. both betas. So you're like a B plus, but once the A's come into the room, you're fucked. You don't know what to do. Just want to be their friends. Just don't want to ruffle them feathers. Anyway. All right, moving on. What's your number four, Noel? Number four. This may surprise some people. Doesn't surprise me. Never a fan. Overrated. Was overrated when he was with Denver, in my opinion. Mike Shanahan. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Never lived up to the bill. Typical retread, did well someplace else, and then comes to Washington and shits the bed. Griffin carried him to the playoffs that one year, destroyed his career because of it. Hell of a coaching job that year, though. Hell of a coaching job that year on Griffin's back and on Alfred Morris's back, but 
hey, that's one thing Shanahan can do. He can find a running back, and he can block for a running back. We're not denying that. But record of, and you know, we're talking about bad Washington coaches, and and he's probably not at the top. But at the end of the day, he went twenty four and forty. Okay, can't argue with that. I mean, a point three seven five percentage. That's fucking bad, man. And people forget about how toxic that environment was. Oh, and was. That, I was it, getting to that too. That at was the very end. even worse than the record. Because I think he was trying to get fired yeah, me by too. Snyder. He hated his guts. Yeah. They both hated each other. And so he did everything. He kept releasing shit to the media. Yeah. I was like, how did that happen? You know, and that was all shot, uh, Schottenheimer. That's, <laughs> that was all Shanahan. And hey, good for him. He was trying to get fired. It's guaranteed money if he quit. He wouldn't have gotten it, so it was smart on his part. No, he had to get I, away hey, from the motherfucker. That, I'm not denying that year, that Griffin year, when they made the playoffs, that was a blast to watch, man. So good. That was the most fun I've had as a Washington Redskins fan in quite some time, and all of us. Yeah, and I haven't had that much fun since. But after that, three and thirteen record, shit the bed. It was just complete disinterest from the sideline, and. The amount that they paid for this guy and trying to make a big splash with getting him, I knew it was a bad move to begin with. Those Denver teams, he rode them. He's a coat tailor, and it showed when he actually needed to make some real decisions. Yeah, well, I think there was a lot of internal strife as well because of uh, Bruce Allen. I mean, that fucking snake, Snyder. I don't think... Shanahan's a bad coach I think he was I don't think he's bad I think he's completely overrated and with Washington he wasn't good he made the playoffs one time regardless he was on the field coaching them I don't care no no, I I get it but what I was going to say was he agreed that he would make decisions between him and Bruce Allen and the first thing they do is trade for Donovan McNabb yeah and he was like what the fuck you know and that's not a good way to start your tenure when you have this agreement in place and they just shove McNabb on you when he doesn't want him anyway. Yeah. I mean, how many great coaches currently in the NFL were on that staff? So he's got some positives, but I agree. He definitely underachieved when he was with the team. All right. Well, my number four is DJ Durkin, former Maryland football head coach from 2015 to 2017. Short-lived era Very. for Maryland football. But... um. This guy went 10 and 15 during that two years, but... Yeah, I mean, the record isn't that horrible for Maryland football, considering, but yeah, go ahead. Well, he made the quick lane bowl, so that's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> 10 and 15 ain't horrible. Yeah, there could have been something there, but everybody hated his yeah. guts. He had a toxic culture, and what he'll always be remembered for is the death of Jordan McNair under his watch, died of exhaustion and heat stroke. You know, he was obviously an old school football coach and the poor kid died at 19 like bear Bryant at texas a&m right uh, just running in the dirt running water. these guys like <laughs> they were doing like three a days <laughs> right. and so i don't know if you guys remember this insanely long process after mcnair died he was kind of suspended i guess you could say for 80 days then they came up with the idea all right well i think enough time has passed Let's bring old DJ back. And, you know, everything should be okay. But there was a lot of pushback, especially from the players. And so, according to people that were there, witnesses, whatever, Durkin held a meeting with only players. No, co- no additional coaches were in there. And players were walking out of the meeting. The next day, he was officially fired. So, we waited 80 days for him to come back. And he got shit canned. He came game. back. Hey, for guys. Um, players walk out. All right, bye. I guess they still don't like him after one of their. They watched one of their players drop dead. We were talking earlier about the Shanahan culture with Washington. 
Mm-hmm. The culture that this guy created was toxic. Hey, everybody's dealt with like a crazy coach, but to this extreme that they talk about how this guy was, it's just not in this day and age, my friend. You just can't no. do it anymore. Not with the millennials. And people dying. And people dying, yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, that was numero uno, but uh, yeah. You can't use the millennial uh, thing on this one. <laughs> Freaking millennials. Like, suck it up. <laughs> All right, well, that's my number four. What's your number three, Noel? Uh, my number three is, and this was a short stint as well, Leonard Hamilton. Oh, yeah. This is one of the dark times of the Wizards, and there are many, believe me. But this team was bad. One of the worst in Wizards history. They went 19-63. and 63. It was the 2000-2001 season. Pre-Jordan. Pre-Jordan. And uh, they were bad. They came in from college. This was a new guy they thought was going to be a long-term solution. Well, he was there for one season. Like I said, 19-63. and 63. And this team wasn't that bad, okay? What was that, Rip? They had Rip. They had Mitch Richmond. Now, Mitch Richmond got injured part of the way through the season, but he played like 40. He played about half the season. They were already done by then anyway. He probably Great spe- trade. Great trade for uh, Weber and, and Mitch Richmond. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Quality trade. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, Jahidi White. They had Leron Profit for that moment. Popeye Jones. I'm not uh, impressed with this <laughs> roster. What's it? But please they keep going. They had Hubert Davis. Hubes. Yeah. Good old Hubes. And um, <laughs> they could use him now from three-point range, the way they shot the ball sometimes. Yeah. And they had Courtney Alexander, who they traded for. Oh, and Leitner. They actually had a decent club. Leitner? Yeah, Leitner. They weren't like world beaters or anything, but shit, 19 wins. He was abysmal. He was supposed to be a defensive guy. They were still one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But who changed that the next year, Noel? Who became a top-five defensive team with that same MJ! roster? Yeah. That's right. That's right. People forget. Was LaRon with them then, too? Uh, not the next oh, year. Oh, yeah. You got kid. Well. <laughs> I guess his defense wasn't good enough. No, I know that's not a popular one, and a lot of guys forget about that one, but that Leonard Hamilton year was one of the worst in Wizards history. Well, if Wes Unseld was still the GM, he would have probably been coach for the next 10 years. Right. Yeah, if it was up to him. Thanks, MJ. Yeah. All right. So my number three is a more known coach. The old ball coach. Old ball coach. <laughs> Steve Spurrier. <laughs> so this is after Marty Schottenheimer brought the team to 8-8 eight and eight after that very memorable season. He fired him, of course, and then had to bring somebody else in. Another name. This was vintage Snyder right here. Signed Spurrier to a five-year, $25 million deal. That was in 2002. Had the fun and gun offense, if you remember. Brought all that shit from college. Ahead of his time, Matt. Ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. Yeah, he uh, brought all of his old Florida Gators off the couch, but he went seven and nine and five and eleven in the two seasons. That Something first that I, season wasn't bad. Well, listen to this. So Ross Tucker, uh, former Washington player, I'm sure you've heard him. He's done yeah, a lot yeah. of. He's on everything. So this is what he said. He was actually on the on the Sports Junkies last week. He said, "Quote: I had nine head coaches in my time in the NFL, and he was by far the worst in every way." And this is a smart guy. Keep that in mind. He's, I think he went to Princeton or some shit. He'd say, yeah, Danny, which is Danny Werfel. You got to just probably just throw the check down here. They had this one covered up pretty good. Next one. <laughs> this one is Danny, probably. You just got to throw the check down again. Here, they had this one covered up pretty good, Tucker said. <laughs> and he said, I remember in training camp his first year, 
thinking, even though we were winning, I was like, we've got problems. We've got major problems. I don't even know how we went seven and nine that year. Me either. I have no clue. Nobody knows. Spur doesn't know. He's like, just check it down. <laughs> I'm not going to go quote him, but he said that he, and everybody knows this, he had no conversations with the defense, knew nothing that was going on. He said that he had no idea how to protect people, had no idea with, with protection schemes, anything like that. And that's why Patrick Ramsey probably will never be able to walk again. It's a shame, but you know we all know the problems with Spurrier, but funny press conference of nothing else. Well, it, and it wasn't just him as a coach. It was the personnel that was brought in. Yes. I mean, that's the Shane Matthews, the Danny Worf. Everybody knows about that. Taylor Jacobs, all this shit. All that Floridians. was really taking the coaching and check it down out of it for a second. We were like, what the fuck? It felt like the movie Major League when they're doing the <laughs> roster. Like, this guy's dead. Check him off then. Do you, <laughs> you know, check him off then. <laughs> Yeah, but do you remember Osaka for the preseason when most coaches don't play their starters and yeah, everything? Yeah, no, they full. were kicking ass, Do you remember man. how excited we were? Well, yeah. Man, like, this guy's going to light up the fucking league. Well, yeah. How little did we know? He lit up something. How Only thing he lit up know. at that point was a toilet. <laughs> Five and 11. Not very good. Not very good. <laughs> All right, Noel, what's uh, your number two? Speaking of uh, incompetent buffoons that are supposed to know offense, what a buffoon. You look at him and there's like nothing behind the eyes, guy. Jim Zorn. Oh, yes. He's just such an idiot. If he didn't make your list, I I don't know if he would continue the top five. 12 and 20. Speaking of, I can't believe that we went seven and nine. This guy shouldn't even be on a list because he should have never been hired by anybody. Obviously. He was a quarterback's coach. A QB's coach comes in, and actually they started pretty good. What, they'd go 6-2 and two to start his first year? And then just I the remember wheels- Troy Aikman was like, oh, this guy, he's going to be here forever when they started 6-2. and two. And him and Jason Campbell, you know, really starting something here. Man, the wheels fell off hard womp, that season. Womp. They were so bad his second year. They took away his play-calling ability. He was neutered during the season. The bingo caller. Remember, they brought him out. He used to call bingo, and he I forget whatever the fuck his name was. It was some old guy. <laughs> yeah. God, that was humiliating. So humiliating. And just <laughs> sat there with just this look on his face of just utter defeat and just this blank stare of with that tilt like, like Rain Man or something. <laughs> It was so pathetic, and so you almost felt bad for the guy if you didn't hate him so damn much. And he didn't do it to himself. He he never should have been in that situation to begin with, but that doesn't mean he didn't suck. Well, right. He was hired on to be the offensive coordinator. And then actually, who was it, Fossil? He was going to be hired, and then there was a big uproar. God rest his soul. He just died last week, actually. Jim Fossil. Yeah. But he was brought on to be the offensive coordinator. And do you remember how long that coaching search was after oh my Gibbs? Gosh, holy shit! And then you come up with him. That was the biggest thing: is how long it took this knockout grind out, and this is the name that comes out. The only thing that anybody knew about this fucker was he passed the ball to Steve Largent. <laughs> really, they kept on showing highlights of this guy throwing the ball on leap catches to Steve Largent all the time. I'm like, really? This is what you got? Oh yeah, it's old Zorny. Well, spoiler alert, Zorn's my number one. I don't know how he's your number two, but... I've got one worse one, believe me. All right, that's fair. But there's been a lot of shit, a lot of shit said about Zorn since he's been gone over the years with like Portis and Cooley, you know, Santana Moss. But 
put things in perspective, what Clint Portis said, he said on a radio show, basically his reasoning why he lost the locker room, why he was horrible, all the above. So this is what uh, Portis said, quote, Coach Zorn lost the locker room because he split the locker room between Christians and ballplayers. So if you didn't believe in what he believed in, if you weren't Antoine randall if you weren't the guys who sat and prayed with him and did everything the way they thought your life should be, you kind of got, well, you're not doing it right. Speech is directed towards you. The you. <laughs> the you. Yeah. They were probably looking at each other like, what the fuck? Catholics versus convicts. <laughs> they were like, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and pray the with this guy. fuck out of here, Tebow. <laughs> so you would think that that would fracture a locker room. Yeah. And he didn't allow players to cuss. What a weirdo. He was just weird. He's just a weird guy. And I could deal with weird if you're good. Get your job done. I don't give a shit what the hell you do behind closed doors. He sucked at both. All right. So my number two is Wes Unseld, former Bullets coach from 1987 to 1994. Okay. So let me put this in perspective for you. He took over Kevin Lowry, who started the season 8-19 and 19, back in 1987. Actually... Under Unseld, they went 30-25 and 25 and actually made the playoffs. Lost in the first round, of course. Every year after that, missed the playoffs. He was a horrendous coach. He went 202 and 345. The fact that he stayed coach for that long is beyond belief. And then, I know we're talking about coaches, but then was hired on to be the general manager, yeah. which is debatable that he was actually worse at that job than actually coaching. The guy that keeps getting raises keeps moving up the ladder. Like, we get it. Abe loved you. You were an all-time great Bullets player, but by far, and I have him as my number one. Oh, okay. Well, that's- I have him as my number one, no doubt. Fuck Zorn. Wes Unseld destroyed the Washington Bullets as far as a coach goes. This was the laughing stock. We're not talking about just a bad team. They were the epitome of futility of the time. Them and the Clippers. If anybody yes. remembers the Clippers back in then, like the Danny Manning time and all that shit, mm-hmm. which team was the worst franchise in history we're talking about? This guy yeah. single-handedly eviscerated a franchise for almost a decade, okay? He made the playoffs one times off the back of another coach because he was the interim coach. They made the playoffs the year before that. He weaseled his way into the playoffs. They got the seventh seed. And then after that, 40-42 and 42 the next season. After that, he averaged 50 losses a season. A season. Hey, I know it's Wes Unsell. I know we're stomping on a grave or whatever we're doing, and he's one of the all-time great players. But nobody, nobody can look at me with a damn straight face and say this fucker was good at coaching. The worst. I'm talking about one of the worst NBA coaches of all time. Fuck Wizards and Bullets. One of the worst coaches. I'll take them of sports. (laughs) They didn't have bad play. Matt, for two of his seasons, they had Moses fucking Malone. Now, was he an older Moses Malone? Yes, but he still made second team all NBA. The guy averaged 23 and 13 in 86 and in 87. We ain't talking about chump change here. He had some players on this team. Bernard King, Jeff Malone, Jawan Howard, Weber, Gugliotta. I mean, I can give you a list of the guys that he had. Did he have a couple of, of some scrubs? Everybody does, but damn, son. 
You were garbage. That's the reason I'm a Bullets fan. He was worse than the damn <laughs> uniform of the white with just the blue. Was that not the worst, the worst uniform, uniform in Worst coach and worst jersey of all time. <laughs> When you mentioned the Clippers, I was going to say they have they were probably tied for the two worst uniforms in the league on top yeah. of that. They were so horrible, both of them. Yeah, Wes, is, uh, he was bad. And then I think his stint as general manager as well didn't help things. It's one thing to be a horrible coach, but then to also annihilate the team after that. But again, we're talking about terrible coaches, but I think that body of work speaks for itself. Yeah. Just his coaching Ooh. tenure. You can't do much more damage than that. And he was beloved, and he took advantage of it. It's like Doug Williams keeps like worming his way in. But at least Doug Williams gets demoted, not, <laughs> yeah, promoted. not promoted. Yeah, I mean, I love the guy, but damn, man. But at least Wes Unsell, like Hall of Fame or all that, maybe earned a couple of seasons. Abe was Gaga over him, but damn, I mean, he did much more damage in his coaching than he did his gains as a player. That's for sure. So what do you think uh, Doug Williams' next job's going to be with Washington? Like the janitor? Let's keep him on for that. <laughs> be cleaning toilets. He'll, he'll fix the equipment. <laughs> yeah. Like quality uh, control. Quality control of equipment <laughs> and sanitation. He wears many hats yeah, with the Washington good old franchise. Doug. Hey, he's a team player, man. He'll do whatever you need. You can't ask for much more than that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, Noel. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Follow us on Instagram, the Facebook page, Twitter, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Thanks again for listening. Hope you have a nice weekend. I know I will. And we will see you on Monday. Forza Italia. (laughs) 